Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with Lisa Thompson and Libby Rappin. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I see. So the two of you, just for the listeners who are aware, uh, are in separate Zoom boxes, but in roughly the same part of the world. Yes, we are normally always together. We've just been working a little bit in separate homes recently because of life. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I like to start out the show a little bit with some uh, pumping yourselves up a bit, giving yourself some some kudos for good things you've done. So either a shameless brag or some sort of self-promotion because we'll hopefully be talking more about failure moving forward. So just wanted to give you a chance to start out uh, on a high note. Uh, so whoever wants to go ahead and, and, and uh, brag about yourselves, feel free. Well, I would say we just did a kick. Can we swear on your show? Yes, go for uh, it. Kick Absolutely. Kick ass, kick ass <laughs> workshop last night. <laughs> Um, it was fantastic. We had two other really great ones uh, that just super interactive last week. So I think that we're just on a high, um, you know, from the way that those went. So I think that's a good brag, Lisa. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? I'm going to say like exact brag. So yeah. <laughs> are these uh, online workshops? Yeah, virtual keynotes. Yeah, and workshops. Very cool. How has the transition been? I don't know if you've done much before in the live space, but uh, I bet the transition to Zoom has been a little bit rough. I wouldn't use the word rough. Well, yeah. if I'm speaking on, on my terms, I would say that Libby and I love in person more. Um, I think that anybody, you just have more energy in that space. But I feel like the last, what, we've done three workshops recently and the energy was there. So it's pretty awesome to see people coming together and just trying to be as interactive as possible. Like, obviously, we love in person more, um, but I wouldn't say that transition has been too rough um but it's because we have some really interactive programming too yeah i mean of course like i mean lisa just to add on to what you said i agree with everything i think for me yes of course that in person is so much more fulfilling but we've been doing things virtually and in person even before COVID. it's just that literally 100 percent of our work has been virtual with the exception of like one event this year and we have a couple other things coming up live at the end of the year here so it's been it's been interesting in that regard though i'm just so thankful for the advancements in technology to be able to do this right so yeah i mean if you think even whatever five years ago there really wouldn't be as much ubiquity of people having access to you know uh computers uh microphones things where you can do these live kind of workshop things so what are your workshops about yeah, so we're the co-founders of Blue Wave Wellbeing. So we're a professional development company that's making well-being achievable for everyone by bringing well-being to the workplace essentially. And um, you know, to kind of like 
what makes us unique is that the idea is that we are teaching people well-being techniques that they can do in five minutes or less. So you're not going to experience well-being necessarily in five minutes, at least long term. But the idea is that we can find creative ways to help support people bring well-being into their everyday without it feeling like extra work, which is typically the biggest barrier of entry and somebody wanting to even begin this well-being journey to prioritize themselves. They're like, oh, I don't have time. And we're like, that's exactly why you need to be doing this stuff, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of a the high level overview of what we do. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just share off that Ben really quick. Um, so I think a lot of times when people think about there's so many apps out there, there's so many things, but a lot of people get really like lost in the shuffle. So we not only teach the, the, what, like what is well-being, what are the little a- different aspects, but we teach you how, and that just kind of caveats up of what Libby said. Like a lot of people just aren't doing anything because they're like, I see all this information. I don't know what to do, but no one's teaching them. So that's what we do is we teach you how to implement well-being into your life in order to achieve your goals with that. Well, that sounds awesome. So it can bring more lasting results, I imagine, and and you can stick with it. I I, pref- I myself probably would prefer some bite-sized well-being tips rather than a, a little bit more intensive process just because uh, then you can implement bit by bit, kind of like the Atomic Habits uh, method of just adding, you know, a little bit of pieces. I'm yeah. curious for the blue wave well-being, did it all start out as um, amazing? Everyone wanted to hear what you had to say or did you have to uh, <laughs> That's spend some time? Happened. No. <laughs> we've been, yeah, we've just totally hit it out of the park from day one. I don't know how we're even having to talk about this. Yeah. I'm laughing because the business was started <laughs> by mistake, but super synchronistically. So it's it's funny just to think in the last three years of Lisa and I kind of working together, the iterations that we've been through with our business, including a name change, including completely changing our business model, including obviously going through a pandemic now. And so I laugh because some days we're just like, what the heck are we doing? Like, you, you just feel like sometimes it's just like, I don't, I don't know, like, where do we go from here? And you just keep with it because it's the passion that fuels it, you know? So. Absolutely. Lisa, I don't know if you wanted to chime in as well. I mean, it's just so interesting. Like a lot of people look at, <laughs> you see those people that have went from zero to 100 really fast. Um, or you see the people that have been, you know, on a basically, um, a journey for a few years. And ours is just so, I, I don't even want to use the word up and down because I would say that we're not very up and down people. Like we're very like positive, but I would say that, it's a lot of learnings and a lot of changes. And I laugh while Libby was talking because we've had to have a lot of conversations as a team. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs don't walk into being co-founders. Usually you start a business on your own. That's kind of the normal thing. So like, it is so important that we have hardcore communication amongst each other and like really making sure like as we're making these shifts and as we're making these changes and as we're failing forward, we're understanding like, how are we going to come together as a team? So it adds another level into it when you are co-founders. Is there anything specifically you two have have implemented into your co-founderness so that you can (laughs) uh, keep each other in check or have a veto system? Is there any kind of rules you've come up with? I, you know, honestly, we are very honest with each other. And I think over time, and Libby, you can uh, tell me what you think of this, but I feel like we've just kind of picked up on each other's like facial expressions and like different things like, okay, are you feeling this? Are you not feeling this? Like, 
Or it's like, we have to have some conversations like, hey, this is a lot right now, or we're going in too many directions. We need to sit down and have a conversation. And I don't know, like, it's just different because we both kind of went into this, like understanding that it was going to be a partnership, which meant that communication was going to have to be number one in order for us to succeed. And so we've just kind of created that. Um, but also we've created a really beautiful friendship out of all of this too. So I think that that's another caveat to all of this. Yeah. I was thinking like, we've never written down like formal, like these are our team norms, right? Like these are, this is the way we're going to work with each other. I do think though, to what you said is that there is a specific energy between us where we we can read each other's energy, facial expressions. We're ridiculously honest. I mean, over the last several months, as we've been pivoting our business again, and like, what is our main focus? You know, it's, this is what resonates with me. And this is what's going to fill me up. What's going to fill you up. And it, it, and let's find the synergies between that. Like, it's not just thinking about myself. I have to think about Lisa's needs as well. And what is going to excite her to wake up every morning? What does she want to build? What type of experience does she want to have, you know, within this business? And we've had to have, I would, they're not even hard conversations because I feel like at this point, we're so used to each other saying that doesn't resonate with me. That doesn't feel good. How can we, you know, think about this differently? It's just, it's natural. And if I can tell it's almost like when Lisa has something going on and she's not ready to talk about it, it's like I know that within her. And I think that she feels that within me, but we just kind of wait for it to, to come up and or at least we'll like open up the doorway for that conversation. And it's just like this raw honesty. And it's if I didn't have that with her, I think I would I wouldn't want to be with a business partner that wasn't that authentic with me, because I think from that has come amazing ideas and transformations within our business because we're learning about ourselves too like we were both in the corporate world before this so now being entrepreneurs it's such a completely different journey and so much of your own junk and limiting beliefs and fears come up you know in this space not that it doesn't happen when you're in the corporate world but i just feel like there's been so much that's come up within me as i've started this journey has it made it easier to have someone else to lean on when you're not feeling quite so, or when you're feeling really imposter syndrome-ish? I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, so I left corporate. I was working by myself for like a year and a half, two years. And then I met Lisa and I would say it is, it is amazing having a business partner. It gets super lonely working by yourself. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> also too, like as anybody, it, if you even want to talk about mental well-being or you want to just talk about life in general, things come up, life happens. We both have our lows in our own lives or maybe our energy isn't there or we just have a lot of other things going on where the other person's being able to say like, I got this. I'll do this. You're going to take this meeting. I'll take this meeting. And I joke all the time. Like I, I was talking to someone a while ago and they're like, I wish I could clone myself. I was like, I feel like I did clone myself. <laughs> like Livy and I, like we, as much as we have different brains and different thoughts, we have our own strengths, the ability to be able to not have to be at every meeting, but trust each other has been able to, for us to open a lot more doors and just have more conversations um, because we trust each other. Uh, so that's been really, that's been um, really awesome too. Yeah. Very cool. So Libby, you said you met Lisa while you were working in corporate. Well, what'd you do in the corporate world, first of all, and how'd you guys meet? Well, so my background is actually HR. So I was in human resources for technology startups. And uh, I'll be honest, like completely burnt out, was experiencing exhaustion, 
physical disease was manifesting in my body as a result of that, I believe. And so I ended up uh, quitting that job and taking time off to travel and ended up traveling for any, it was like eight to nine months. And then when I moved, I moved back to my hometown, everybody was like, you need to meet this Lisa Thompson girl. And so I signed up for one of her events that she was hosting and I wasn't able to go, but I emailed her and I was like, hey, like your name keeps popping up. I was really excited to meet you. You know, long story short, we ended up having like a, a phone call and the rest is history at this point. I don't know what your version is, but that's my version. <laughs> well, it's so funny because Ben, I was like in a stage in my where I was like, I was going through my own struggles and it's funny. I was given Libby's card and they're like, you need to meet her. And I put it into my like wallet at the time and did nothing with it. And then, then Libby heard about us or heard about me, you know, she signed up for that that workshop. And it's still, it's interesting. It still didn't resonate with me that that was the woman who someone gave me his card to. Like I was thinking it was two different people. And then when Libby and I got on the phone together, it all clicked to my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, this whole time I thought these are two different people. It's the same person, like how super awesome. And then it was just kind of from there, it was like, it just like formed into a beautiful uh, business, but it's also interesting, you know, for a long time I was doing that, doing it by myself. And, um, I was always envious of people who had business partners and very much like, I would love that, but like, it's really hard to go into business with someone. And I just felt like it was a no brainer, um, which is interesting because I feel like other people had approached me about opportunities and I just, it didn't feel right, but this one did. Well, that's good. I mean, when it, when it feels right, you got to do it. So is that why uh, you had to change the name or is the name changed something else that's totally irrelevant to uh, you doing your combined thing? The interesting thing is that when we got together, we were both working independently, but we were like, we feel like we need to do something together because we are teaching a lot of the same stuff. Like I was teaching mindfulness and meditation in the corporate space as well. And Lisa was doing things that were kind of similar to that. And we were like, do you want to just start a YouTube channel? There were, we were just having these amazing conversations together. And so the idea was, let's just start a YouTube channel and create free content that people that can't afford or don't have access to like our workshops or the things that we're doing in the corporate space can still get this information. And so the name of that YouTube channel started uh, as Oh Infinite Love. So we were both like, you know, on this journey of self-love and um, we really wanted to use that word. And then, I don't know, one day we were just like, you know, how do we, what word can we use to describe like unbounded love, unconditional love? Like there's just abundance of love around us. And that's where infinite came from. And I don't remember the O part. I think we were just like, ooh, that sounds really good. Like, and we were like, oh, infinite love is so different, right? So when we decided, we started putting out videos and then our local like, co-working space was hosting a business pitch and we were like, we should go for this. Like we had no business model whatsoever, but they put you through this entire process of writing your executive summary. You had access to people that could help you conceptualize your business idea. And so we, on a whim, were like, let's apply and see if we get it. And we wrote a one page paper on this idea that we literally pulled out of nowhere, but we were so excited about it, which was to basically get in an RV and travel around the US and put on workshops, teaching people about mental fitness and giving them tools and techniques to help them care for their mental health. Like this was the idea. And then it was a 
for every time we partner with someone, we're going to buy one and give one. So somebody's going to be able to come to our workshop for free or a corporation is going to sponsor us to do a free workshop in their community. And as we started going through the process, we actually we won third place in that business pitch. And then we did, we got, while we started this process, another one came up in Michigan. We're like, let's do it. This is for women owned businesses in Michigan. We got first place in that one with this crazy idea. (laughs) And so then we were like, we had this money now and we were like, okay, we're actually building a business now. (laughs) And so that was how it started. It was, it was an accident, but totally synchronistic at the same time. And then we realized that the name of the YouTube channel didn't resonate from a business perspective on what we were trying to do. And so we went through a, a branding exercise with the business coach and that's where we came up with Blue Wave Wellbeing. That's so awesome. It, it actually, although I'm a one man show, it it's, it mimics a lot of what I was trying to do with my business. So I, I teach Microsoft Excel online. Oh. So I gave it away forever for free. Like you were, you know, kind of doing with your training videos, but also I was trying to do the buy one, give one to someone who needs it and in like uh, whatever, some sort of those who need job training, stuff like that, but never got around to figuring out how to actually do it. I don't know if you've met with the same issues of trying to figure (laughs) out how to dole that out, but I love that the, you have the same kind of ideas going into it, like to be, you know, first of all, serving your audience and also then, you Mm -hmm. know, trying to give back. So I like that both of those were, were components of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, we were kind of modeling it off of like, you know, the Tom shoes and Warby Parker yeah. models, um, how you do that with services. We still haven't figured it out. So if somebody that listens to this has that answer, we would love to talk to you. We realized it was too complex. It was too much. We really wanted simplicity. We needed ease. We're, a, you know, a two and a half person show. We have a virtual assistant. So it was just one of those things where we're like, how are we going to do this? We still have a huge passion hmm. to be of service to people that can't uh, af- necessarily afford our services. And so we do do things to give back in that way. Um, but at the end of the day, how you do that model, I have no idea. Yeah. Thankfully, mine are all self-paced video lessons, but I still hadn't figured okay. out who to give it to and how. And so eventually I'll be doling out a bunch of free ones to, to somebody because even though I didn't necessarily publicly state it, it was still one of my uh, goals. That's why it was free for so long. But uh, I'm glad you guys are kind of on the same page and uh, maybe even record some of your workshops and put them members only access for certain special needs folks. I have no idea what the yeah. answer is, but that's just a random idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I want to go, maybe we can go trade off between each of you. Uh, if you wanted to take a minute, you can think about it. What do you think so far has been the biggest challenge that you faced, either working together or creating the new business? What, what has been the, the biggest difficulty in that transition? I think for me, um, when I think about this piece is that mental well-being is a hot topic. It's a hot topic, but companies still don't know what they're going to do. And I think that there's a lot of teaching and education that has had to happen um, in some areas. Like we have the early adapters, don't get me wrong. Um, But then we still have a lot of people that are waiting and seeing and not making any fast decisions, Um, especially during COVID. That was a little that's a little frustrating, knowing how many people are burnout, exhausted. And that really didn't bother us, not going to lie. It still bothers me. Mm -hmm. You know, we're being super transparent on this, on this podcast. Um, but I think that that's been the biggest challenge for, for us is, um, 
is that aspect. I would say that it's a lot better than what it was probably even six months ago, Libby. Maybe you maybe you agree with that, but um, we still have a long ways to go um, for people to understand like what they should be doing and how to implement and really make a change into their workplace. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. So as I was thinking, I took the question two ways. So like, what's been one of the difficulties for me as an entrepreneur? And then like, what have been the business difficulties? And I would say that like, my difficulty as an entrepreneur is that there's so many things that I want to do. Like Lisa and I are both visionaries. And so we have these big, bold and these like audacious goals that we want to tackle and these ideas. And then it's like, how are we going to implement this? And I think it's sometimes it's thinking so big, but needing to come back to just like, you know, kind of like a more narrow focus right now because of the stage of the business that we're at. And so I think for me, it's like I get caught up in this this ideation, but yet we need to focus on execution, you know, at this point. So I think that's a personal thing that I've experienced on as an entrepreneur. And then, yeah, I mean, what I wrote down and was thinking of, Lisa, as you were sharing that is just like, you know, we have so many conversations of how do we not just be a one and done? You know, how do we really create partnerships with organizations because well-being is a journey? You know, bringing us in for a keynote and a workshop is fantastic. It could empower somebody um, to make change in their life. It could give them some tools to help them through a life transition. However, there has to be long-term intentionality in order to see these ma these massive shifts in your life. And so, you know, how can we, to Lisa's point, prove the ROI of these services, which is sometimes hard to measure. We sell happiness mm -hmm. at the end of the day. You know, how do you measure that? Um, because it's one of those things that's intangible. Yeah. And so I would definitely say, you know, helping businesses understand that they have a much larger role to play than what most of them are stepping up to, to supporting mental, uh, their employees' mental health. And, and I guess getting them to take action and to understand the correlations between the business and mental health, as Lisa said, that educational piece. Yeah, I can see a lot of them wanting to uh, not touch the subject just because they know they could mess it up. Totally. I will tell you, I've been in HR and it's super unfortunate, but the reality is it's like, don't even go there because legally, once somebody tells us that they need an accommodation or, you know, things like that, it's like you've crossed this boundary and like it puts you at legal risk. And yeah. it's super sad. And I will admit that I was in that space before I went on my own mental health journey. And now I'm like, you know, all for being an advocate to reduce that stigma and to get people talking about it. This, talking about your mental health should be as normal as going and getting a cast on your arm or saying you have cancer or heart disease. Like, why does mental health still have this stigma that comes with it? Yeah. And you really need to put the human back in human resources right now. It sounds like it's more like a huge risk or something, some other acronym. But I feel like a lot of times they're not truly not putting the employee's best interests at heart. It's really, you know, for the corporation. So it's it'll be nice to see some of that shifting and where they implement more of these policies to actually focus on retaining people and making sure that they're not burnt out, you know, like you're saying. Yeah, and I think that COVID, that's one of the beautiful things that has come from this in the workplace is just companies taking this, the idea of providing these services more seriously, that's, you know, much more of a topic that's at the executive table from, you know, at least that's what people are telling us, since we're not the ones that are in those boardrooms having these conversations, but it's something that's a more prevalent conversation, which is amazing. And I'll just add to that. I think, you know, Benny said HR and bringing the human back into it. I don't think it's just HR that has to step up its leaders. That's a good point. Yeah. Super yeah. 
important that we point that out because I think so many times we were like, oh, that's someone else's problem. That's someone else's problem. But leaders, y'all are in charge. You are the ones leading the next generation. You're the ones leading the generations right now. And it takes, you know, one leader to set the tone to really show it. And if your team is being the more productive one, because you're setting these intentions and you're setting your team up for success with well-being, imagine the ripple effect that it could have on other teams or other um, sectors in a business. So I just want any leader listening in to know that like it has to start with you and you have to do it. You can't just tell your employees that they need to do this well-being or give them the tools. You have to be the one leading the model because again, we hear all the time. You, hear, I mean, not, not just us, but like everybody talks about it. Well, our leaders want us to do this, but they're not even modeling it. And it's like, okay, well then we have to start from basically in a way top down or peer to peer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to your point, HR reports to somebody. So uh, whoever's above that certainly sets the tone. Yeah. Uh, did you did you guys ever get a chance to read the book 10% Happier? I think that's a, uh, a great book on meditation and is a way you said it's a very hard to measure thing, Libby, earlier. And I just think that yeah. 10% Happier book and the the, the motto behind it of of how it adds a, a you know that much roughly to your to your life uh, at least makes it feel more tangible than something that's just totally uncertain and uh, unforeseen but i don't know if you've uh, had any experience with that book i forget the name of the author it's dan yeah dan harris dan harris yeah like, yeah yeah he has a really great podcast too oh perfect i should check that out yeah well he used to i don't know if he still does but yeah um they have they have an app as well i think too uh, they yes, I do believe that they do. Yep. And what I was just going to say is that it there it is possible to measure it. However, it's not one of those things where you can just pull it out of, you know, like a HRIS system or something like that as easily, you know, because of the things that we are measuring to show that there has been a positive impact in somebody's life. But there are definitely companies that are measuring it. It's just, I would say, you know, measuring well-being in the workplace isn't as prevalent as just tracking other types of data that that businesses do. Well, and to that point, Libby, I think one of the things too is people want instant gratification. They want to know, okay, so you're going to teach my team this and they're going to change their habits and they're all going to behave. But it's like <laughs> back to what you said earlier, Libby, about well-being is a journey. Like we can't promise yeah. that it's going to happen overnight. It really takes a culture shift. It really takes a person taking ownership. Like, again, we're here to teach all the tools possible, but it's really about the self, the self taking the ownership of, I need to take care of my well-being. It's really up to the culture of the company. And that's why we don't like to be a one and done because that we can help build that into the culture a little bit more. Um, but that's the biggest thing we see is like, people think like, oh, okay. So we're all going to be perfect now and healed. And it's like, mm, can't really do that that fast. It's, it's a journey and it's a culture shift and it's, uh, it's being intentional day after day. I like that because, uh, like you were saying Libby earlier, um, it's, uh, even the entrepreneurship, it's a, it's a slow journey. It's not as quick as you would want it to be. Uh, you know, you have these grandiose dreams and ideas, but you know, reality doesn't move necessarily at the the speed of your dreams or whatever, uh, is a saying that makes sense there. But, uh, but yeah, it takes time and it takes effort. And yeah, if, if people are going the, with the assumption that, oh, now I'm just gonna have a happy team of of you know lemmings or whatever uh hopefully that's not the attitude it's more like a uh, trying to bring actual happiness and joy to 
something that you have to do uh, for a significant portion of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you guys agree. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if there's um, any specific failures that you had in mind along the journey that you want to talk about in a little bit. We're going to get into the future looking stuff, but I didn't know if you had any um, uh, thoughts on failure or or how to approach even the idea of failure when running like a small business or uh, being an entrepreneur. Well, I would say that I've been doing this entrepreneur world for almost 10 years now. And I feel like every failure I've had has made the next failure a little bit easier. And it's all about um, getting over that fear in the beginning. Like people usually don't start or continue entrepreneurship because they're scared to fail. They're scared to take the leap. They're scared of all these things. And I tell anybody, because you know, everybody, there's a lot of people that have seen my journey since the beginning and have seen the shifts and changes. Obviously, they haven't seen every failure. Um, but I always tell people that it's you. Once you, once you fail once, or once you get rejected once or whatever it is, the next time's a lot easier. It kind of slides. I wouldn't say that it just slides off your back, probably by the 20th failure <laughs> or, or a rejection, but man, like night and day compared to 10 years ago, like I actually would get scared to do certain things. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect right now because you still don't like Failure is never fun for anybody, but what, what I feel like it's really helped me like change my mindset of, okay, that didn't work. What do I need to do differently? What, what needs to be changing? And you kind of just like pivot. And although that word is continuously being used right now during COVID, but I feel like that when it comes to failures, for every failure I've had, like, okay, so take, like, we've had workshop ideas that haven't like hit and like got off the ground, you know, and sometimes it's just like looking at it and having um, a conversation about like, okay, that didn't go well. What do we need to do differently? Um, And I feel like my whole entrepreneur life has been that way. Um, And I tell people all the time, I get that people are scared of it. It's, you know, it's kind of emotional. It's kind of like um, you kind of take it personal. You don't want to take it personal. And it usually people in business world don't mean it intentional that way, but you're a human. And as two people who teach empathy and well-being and stuff, like it's really hard to not take things personal sometimes. Um, so I just always tell people, like, I promise you after the first sales pitch, the first, first rejection, the first failure, it does get easier, but you just can't give up if it's what you're truly meant to do. Love that. Yeah. I love what you said, Lisa. Um, While you were talking, I was thinking about how we tried to launch that online product last year and we created all those videos and put everything in Teachable. And then it was like the go live date and nobody signed up. It was like crickets. And we were just kind of like, okay, so that's not working right now. And we kind of let it go for, you know, however long it was, like a month or two. And I can't remember the train of events. But during this, I think I was going through a massive transition in my life and I had just realized that for me, what makes my work so satisfying is taking people on a journey, like working with them through like my coaching, through our workshops, like I want to be with the person. I don't want to just, you know, put out a free product and then I never get to hear from the person or I don't get to witness their journey or support them like Um, I don't know. And so I realized that like, wow, like maybe like my energy wasn't aligned to what we were actually creating because like I'm craving this in-person human to human connection right now in the work that I do. That's why I kind of like have taken this path. And so 
Um, you know, we and then we did that other thing last year uh, in the fall, the the online challenge that we did, and we were so excited about it. And we were like, "This is going to be amazing! This is going to flood the town, and then it's going to go national, and people are going to love this idea." And like, we launched it, and like, I just feel like we didn't have the engagement that we had anticipated. And so again, it was just like, okay, like. I don't call things failures. Like I have a problem with that word. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. resonate with me. And for me, I think that's just because I see them as opportunities more than a failure because I trust now through my own spiritual practices and my mindfulness practices that if something doesn't work out that I had planned in my mind, that means something better is coming. And that has always stood to be true. Like I have so many examples of that having at this point that it's like, I cannot believe that failure is not an opportunity. Like my mind can't even go there anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. when something doesn't go the way we have planned, oops, sorry, did I interrupt You're fine. you? Go ahead. No, 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 go. I was just going to say, instead of asking, like, I do ask sometimes, why is this happening? But I'm really trying to reframe that question to be like, what is this experience teaching me? Or what's, what's kind of, what's next? that could be better. And so, yeah, like this whole idea of failure, like, yes, there's things we haven't done well. Could they have been, you know, could it have come down to marketing or positioning or like sales stuff? Like, of course, but at the end of the day too, I think the ways in which our products are evolving are much more in alignment with the things that bring Lisa and I great joy. And I think that there are times in my entrepreneurship journey, I'll speak for myself where it's like, I'm chasing what somebody else did and what made them successful versus what is what lights me up and what do I want to create? And so I think that that has always these, you know, you know, missteps, these wrong turns have always kind of corrected me and gotten me back into alignment and back on the path, which is why I have a I just can't identify with them as like a failure in that way as a negative thing. Yeah, I think a lot of what I'm trying to do is actually take the sting out of the word, but I think really the only true failure is uh, is giving up or not trying at all. I think those two, in my mind, would classify as failures. But besides that, everything else, as long as you're doing it towards, you know, a specific goal, a specific end, um, hopefully, obviously, it's a, it's a well-intentioned and well-thought-out path you're trying to take. But, you know, I don't think uh, there's really failure unless you stop trying, you know? Well, and maybe we stopped trying because we realized, you know what, I was doing this for the wrong reasons, you know? So like, yes. And I mean, giving up in on life in general, just on the whole ride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Giving up on specific things is a good thing if it's not going to actually benefit you, but, um, but I mean, more, more of like, uh, not going outside of your comfort zone out of fear of failure, because that's really when you actually start to fail in my mind. Yeah, and this is why the work that Lisa and I do is so important, just not to, you know, toot our own horn, but the reality is, <laughs> is that we have to become aware of, you know, what are those habitual thinking patterns and behavior patterns that are holding us back, that are preventing us from, you know, achieving these lives that, that we desire? Could that be, you know, lack of worthiness, you know, thinking we're not good enough? Like there's all of these patterns that play out in the mind that impact the way that we show up in the world. And we have to become aware of those things and those patterns in order to heal them, to break through them. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if before we get to the last couple of questions, which are more future based, if you wanted to give any tips on maybe micro well-being lessons or tips or tricks or any kind of things like that, for the listeners before we talk about my two last questions before we can find tell people where to find you as well a micro habit 
There's so many. No, like, I mean, like, which one do I choose? Well, and I think too, like, so I'm just going to preface this. Um, and you can share one, Libby, if you want to. But I would say is like so many times people like don't just don't get started because you look at a goal and you think like, okay, let's run a marathon. Well, I'm going to run that in three weeks or train in three weeks and then run it. And these, and then that's why people fail per se. I'm doing quotes around that because they're just not setting themselves up for success. So, or they're not investing the time into it, or it doesn't really match with them. So I would say no matter what habit you put into your life, you have to do it for yourself. And you have to know your why behind doing it, or you will not follow through. And I say that because a lot of times we hear the stories and, you know, stereotypical for like women, um, it's always sometimes about weight loss and like losing 15 pounds in 15 days. But what's your why behind wanting to do that? Is it because you really want to, or because you're being told to do that? So I would say no matter what, and, and, you know, we can share some, but I really think that that's the biggest thing I want to point out to people is like, you have to set yourself up for success in the beginning, or you're not going to follow through and you're going to get frustrated and then you're going to give up. And then you're probably not going to want to try again because you had failure with it. Um, so that's why we're so big on a finding your why behind doing the, the practice and then making it fit for you versus like what someone else wants. Very cool. Libby. Yeah. I like that. Um, so I had three things come to mind and I'm trying to tune in and just say, okay, what's one that I can share? And I would say that for me, I think in this modern day world, you know, a free tool that we always have access to in every single moment is the breath. And well-being is not rocket science. I just want to say that like what we're talking about and what we teach are things that like are crazy easy to do and to access because it they have been shown scientifically to be effective. So one of the things that Lisa and I are really big on, and we do this together, and it's we teach this a lot in our workshops, is when we are in the midst of transitions throughout our day. So whether that's going from your commute into the office, it's going from the office back home, whether it's a transition between meetings, different types of tasks that you might be doing, stopping to take deep breaths and then realigning to your intention. So the brain isn't wired to be switching as quick as we are. Like it needs a little bit of time to reset. And a lot of times like we're multitasking, we have this monkey mind, we're go, 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 go. We're not even stopping to think about why we do the things that we do. So stopping to take three breaths, is ridiculously powerful. It can energize us, it can calm us down, it can bring us to a more peaceful state, but then adding to that also creating and an aligning to your intention. So like yesterday when Lisa and I did our workshop, we do this before every single session we teach together, is we get on the phone together or if we're in person and we just start to put our intentions out there. So we put our hand in our heart, we close our eyes, we take some deep breaths and we just, you know, thank, you know, we believe in God. We thank God for, you know, the experience, for giving us the tools and the techniques to be able to teach this. We set intentions for how we want people to show up, what we want them to walk away with, the energy that they'll bring into the space, as far as to how we show up. And I feel like it has been a game changer in the way in which that we present 
because we are aligned and what are we trying to accomplish together? So this is something that you can do on your own or you can do with a team. You could do it before a team meeting. You could do it you know, even with your family. Like, what do you want to experience today? Like when you're dropping your kids off, you know, it could be a simple question. You can change it up the way you use an intention. But the idea for me in this exercise is to stop and take these breaths and set an intention, realign for yourself to get clear on what is it that you want to experience. And this could be an emotion, could be you want to learn something new in a meeting, it could be like a specific outcome you want to have, an intention can be so many things. But I feel like right now, one of the biggest problems and the biggest things that contributes to suffering is just this idea of not being connected to the self. And we have to slow down in order to do that. And the breath is an amazing way to do it. Yeah. And I was just going to say that like the slowing down piece is a continuous thing. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it. I am a very high energy endurance human. Uh, (laughs) But I would say that the more you slow down and the more that you show up and you understand your why behind things, even like it's, it sounds so tedious, but even when you understand your why behind your why why you're putting data together for maybe your boss or things like that, just slowing down and understanding that because we get all, you know, grumpy and negative sometimes like, Oh, I got to fill out this sheet again. But like understanding the big picture, understanding our why behind everything that we do just really makes a difference in why we set intentions and why you show up for work every day. No, I think that's incredibly important. And like you're saying, even if you don't have a team or a, a pep, talk between a couple of people, you can certainly have that with yourself in order to just make sure you're, you're doing what's right for you. And I think a part of what you said also leads in very well with a, uh, just a break from social media from at certain times of day. I imagine that's an important piece of, of well-being these days. Cause I know, um, I think, uh, I was listening to Seth Godin mentioned how our brains are about 50 times more full than our parents' brains and their brains were about 50 times more full than their parents. So uh, you get yeah. the point. We have a lot more going on up there. So we need to take more time to uh, to sit and think and let our brain kind of rest. And to your point, refocus on on what matters. So uh, being guests on the podcast, you get what is called a get out of fail free card. So <laughs> this is going to be given to both of you. Uh, I don't know if I've given it to both. So I've had two guests before, but I don't know if they both got one each. So you'll each get a card, uh, which this is to not specifically pursue anything in the well-being genre, but uh, if you could take this get out of fail free card and use it for a career or a hobby or a passion or a thing that you've wanted to pursue, but you haven't because the daunting amount of failure that would definitely uh, be there waiting for you, is there anything you would use that card to cash in and go pursue? Either one of you can go first. It looks like Lisa has something in mind, but I'm not totally sure. Like seven in my head. It's so funny. <laughs> like I think about like, I think a lot about, I, I love, so I think it's one thing like we're already doing it, like keynote speaking. I would like to take that to like triple level. Uh, I love, love that. Um, so that's one of them, but it's interesting. What really came up to me when you were saying that was, uh, was real estate and investment properties. And that's always a space like I literally don't know much about, but like you hear all the stories of like good stuff and bad stuff. So if I didn't have to fail, I feel like that'd be a really interesting space to dive into. Very cool. Yeah, Libby? Yeah, I think long-term, I was just thinking about how I would create like the most amazing retreat center 
like somewhere in the woods and on the water and host different types of retreats. You could do corporate ones or they could be, you know, more woo woo in their essence, whatever, whatever. But I would love to just have a space that brings people together and creates community uh, with people from all over the world. So that's, that is a long-term dream that I have. That's awesome. Sounds like you would know someone in real estate, Lisa, who could help you uh, <laughs> there we acquire go. that kind of place. Yeah. Oh, we could totally do that, Lisa. <laughs> that sounds like a cool thing, though. So you're saying like a nice little retreat where people can go and, and you know, have that kind of ideal well-being scenario, the the, the best setup for, for letting that happen in terms of like uh, relaxing. What would be what would be there, Libby? Like what kind of things would mm-hmm. be at your at that place? A spa of some sort? <laughs> maybe maybe some services so like i do like you know offering services like reiki and sound bath meditations and different type of holistic healing modalities and definitely being in nature somewhere like surrounded by woods but there also has to be water so i'm super attracted to water i would say gardens to like grow the food that's being cooked there for the retreats like really beautiful walking paths for people to like walk through there would definitely also like while it would be super serene and peaceful there's like so the other side of of this piece would be like a place where people come and just like act super childlike like we teach the science of play and all of the things that we do. It's it's one of the ways in which we think you can experience well-being is adding more play into your life and having a, a playful mindset. So there would also have this have to be this aspect of like some nights it might get rowdy. Like there might be live music, you know, I don't know what else it would offer, but I feel like I want it to be all of my favorite things, to share all of my favorite things. And one of those things is music and like dancing, but then also having this other side where some days it's like, I cannot be around people. I need to be on my own and I want to go out in nature somewhere and kind of escape. Like, I feel like it has to offer both. (laughs) I could keep going on. I actually have a document that has all of these ideas of what I would want it to be like. Oh, really? Well, it sounds like a tough find, but if you ever get the chance, that sounds like a really cool thing to do. And if you ever get that off the ground, let me know because I'd love to take a look and, and check that out. Maybe you have a giant ball pit or something. I'm not sure what the child. That'd be super is. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully COVID's gone by then and people aren't scared Absolutely. of like exchanging germs again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last question before we get to where people can find you is uh, what is the next way you're going to fail? Now, I don't mean intentionally fail, but what's the next big thing you're going out as a business or as a, you know a team and doing that you haven't yet done? that you uh, probably will, uh, as I say, fail it till you nail it. Oh, we're going to rock this one. Um, (laughs) uh, We actually have a women's uh, coaching program starting in January. Um, So it's our first time ever doing this. And it's a 12-week program bringing together women across the world to really build community and learn well-being habits and really grow into their own journey and focus on themselves. Um, So I think that that's like something that Libby and I are really excited for. I, I'm excited and I'm honored to be able to lead something like this. And so it's just a really good transformation for women to come together um, to grow. Very cool. Yeah, I was going to say the women's coaching cohort. So we're on the same page. <laughs> and that starts in January. And uh, and what does uh, what does it entail? Or do you want to let the listeners know? Or is it too early to let them know? Do you, <laughs> is there any uh, details in case they want to go sign up somewhere for uh, information? 
Yeah, we can send you the link, but it's just blue well, um, bluewavewellbeing.com. You can go right to our website. Um, there is a link to it. And really what this is going to entail is um, biweekly phone calls where we are going to have conversations, teaching tools, and bringing people together in community. And then we will have on those other weeks that we're not meeting, we'll be reflection questions and kind of just time to slow down and focus on yourself and really teaching. Again, it's all about teaching well-being habits, but it's about creating this intimate um, um, psychological safety between individuals and women to really take on their journey and to own it. And so it's just a time where you can focus on yourself and it's going to be transformational um, and just a lot of opportunity to learn tools. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. So I guess that leads into what you were just saying, which is where to find you guys. So the the website, uh, if you want to spell it for everyone, just so yep. we can make sure they get that. Yes, yeah, so our website is bluewavewellbeing.com. So B-L-U, no E. So B-L-U, wave, W-A-V-E, and then wellbeing, W-E-L-L-B-I-N-G.com. <laughs> I have never had to spell that out. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wellbeing.com. You can check us out on LinkedIn, Blue Wave Wellbeing. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook. And then our YouTube channel is actually Lisa and Lib. So it's my full name. And then it's just Lib instead of Libby. And you can please, please subscribe. We have weekly videos that come out every Wednesday where we talk about well-being habits and tools to help people integrate that into their lives. And then we're very open. Those are very unscripted um, and just fun ways to get to know us a little bit more. And Lisa's dog makes an appearance as yep. well, and several of them. Awesome. <laughs> the camera goes sideways sometimes because he's underneath it. You just never know what's going to happen in these videos. They're quite comical. Well, uh, I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes. And I thank you both for, for coming on the show. I know sometimes it isn't easy to talk about the the times that we didn't get it right, but I think um, you'd both agree that it's a necessary stepping stone on the way to success. And I hope uh, that you have a lot more success and I hope everything goes well in the future, including that women's coaching program and everything else you have coming up. And thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.